following program contains language and subject matter that you may consider unsuitable for children. Parental discretion is advised. Greetings, Earthman. Uh, His Highness the Jackal. The Jackal. I'm going to pass the reins to Mr. Jackal, the new king of radio. <laughs> yes. Allow me to puff as well. Mm. Uh, uh, Those are some powerful herbs. <laughs> giving me dark visions. Sh- shall we pack this again? I- I'm not getting visions. I'm not sure if it's working, is it? Visions. Visions. Daddy, so are you seeing what I'm seeing? You making a fool of yourself. I think Jack is a Latino. I'm not sure, but he'll give it to you again. Hold on a second here. The Jackal. And we're now live, all right, all right, on Inside the Jackal's Head, right here on PSN Radio. Welcome, everybody, to an hour inside my kooky mind. Back-to-back, as usual, the Zod Rider Show and Inside the Jackal's Head, the best back-to-back on online radio on any network. I don't care where you're listening from. I don't care what you're listening on. This is Internet Radio, baby, and this is Inside the Jackal's Head and PSN Radio. And tonight, I have a great guest. In fact, he's a returning guest. He's been on with us before, and it's always fun to talk to this gentleman because he really is... A very enlightened individual, and you would figure he would be. He's psychic, after all. He is the psychic lawyer. Mr. Mark Anthony himself will be with us in about 10, 15 minutes as we talk about his book, Evidence of Eternity. Huh? Good title, huh? Evidence of Eternity. So let's see, what are the evidence out there? Is there any evidence? Well, we're going to find out. We're going to find out what exactly the book is about. This is going to be a, a rare show for me because normally when I have guests on who are authors uh, whether it's on this show or Skywatchers Radio or any of the shows that I partake in um, normally when it's an author and they have a book out I usually like to get the book read it at least you know go through it make sure I know what the heck I'm going to talk about and what I'm going to ask the uh, the guest tonight I don't have such luck because I haven't read this book so I have no idea what's in the book but it sounds really interesting evidence of eternity and I guarantee you that once he's on the show and we talk about it I'm going to be so interested that I'm going to order this thing on Amazon and I suggest everybody follow suit go there right now and just order it. It's only a few bucks, like ten bucks. It's a really cool looking book. is has clouds on it and cool colors and looks interesting. Discover the enlightening and comforting true stories of Mark Anthony, the psychic lawyer, as he helps people communicate with their loved ones in spirit. Evidence of eternity is an uplifting journey that removes the fear and superstition surrounding spirit contact while addressing the ponian questions about the afterlife. It provides insight on a painful subject such as crime, homicide, suicide, and survivor guilt. By bridging the gap between the spiritual and scientific, this groundbreaking book brings spirit communication into the modern era while remaining and reaffirming that God and heaven exist, that the soul is immortal and an immortal living spirit, and that we will be reunited with the deceased loved ones in the afterlife. Evidence of Eternity introduces new and innovative terms and concepts explaining the spirit communication based on science. That's the bio. 
He's a great guest. He really is. In fact, he's going to be on Future Theater with Bill and Nancy Burns also pretty soon, as soon as they get the dates locked down. That's going to be a lot of fun. Shout-outs to Bill and Nancy, by the way. So what do we have on the news pipeline here before we have to go on our first commercial break? I know there's been a lot of stuff on the news recently. Um, I'm going to go over some uh, you know, UFO-related stuff, some movie-related stuff, and uh, keep it moving. I'm going to keep it moving. First off, on the uh, presses here, uh, new Indiana Jones movie has been confirmed by Lucasfilms and Disney. Of course, as everybody knows, as part of the uh, June Star Wars cover story that ran on Vanity Fair, uh, they had a chance to speak with Lucasfilm's president, Kathleen Kennedy, about the Star Wars The Force Awakens. And got her to confirm that a new Indiana Jones movie is going to be relaunching the franchise, and it's in the cards. Although it's not something that will happen in the immediate future, she said it is happening. The following is from the actual magazine, and I quote... In buying the company, Disney also got the rights, for better or for worse, to less storied Lucasfilm properties, among them Willow, Radioland Murders. A bigger prize is, of course, the Indiana Jones franchise. Kennedy confirmed rumors that another indie movie will one day be made inside this company. When it will happen, though, I'm not quite sure, she said. Uh, we have started working on the script. We haven't started working on the script yet, uh, but we are talking about it. Kennedy was the executive producer of all four uh, of the Indiana Jones movies directed by Steven Spielberg. Uh, of course, uh, they directed the last one, Kingdom of the Crystal Skulls, which was a major blockbuster. I mean, that movie made a ton of cash, man. So I don't know if there should be relaunching with you know a whole new cast. I would bring Indy back from one more go as Indiana Jones, personally. And uh, then I'll have the new characters. Like, I'd have an older guy play his son so that you, you don't have to get Shia LaBeouf, LaBeouf, whatever. You don't have to get him back as the son on this one because, let's be honest, uh, you know he, he's not famous anymore, right? He, he doesn't want to be a celebrity, so why have him? Now, it's been rumored for months that Chris Pratt would actually don the fedora and be the one relaunching the series as Indiana Jones. I think he would be great as the son of Indiana Jones, Indiana Jones Jr. Jr. Junior, Junior, Junior. And this way they can move the stories along into the future, which I think would be great. I mean, just think about this. If we're going to reboot, you're going to go back all the way back to the 1910s, 20s, 30s. I mean, yeah, we've seen Indy do all that stuff, right? I don't want to see Chris Pratt running from a big giant ball. Like, I don't want to see him, you know, do the stuff that Harrison Ford did. So why not keep it moving forward, baby? Like, have one more with Harrison Ford. Maybe he dies in this one, since he wants to die in all these movies now, and he's getting up there in age. Probably will be dead soon anyway. So have him die in the next Indiana Jones, and uh, have his son carry the torch into the future. Like, it'd be cool to see you know, they modernize Indiana Jones and go into the 60s, 70s, 80s. I mean, the last one was said what, in the 50s, I think. So go into the 60s, 70s, 80s, get you know, an older Indiana Jones, Junior, 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 then pass the torch to his son, which would be the grandson of Harrison Ford's character. I mean, that would be really interesting and cool stuff. I hope that's the route they go. Uh, I, I trust Kathleen Kennedy's judgment, though, because so far I'm, like, super happy in, with everything she's done with Star Wars. And uh, so, I, you know, I have a lot of faith that they're going to do Indiana Jones justice also, but with that said, mistakes can happen. Even from people that are doing good work right now. So, with that said, moving on to the next news on the presses here. Martin Freeman, that name doesn't sound familiar, he's a hobbit. Or he was the hobbit, he was Bilbo Baggins the hobbit and 
the uh, the Hobbit series. Uh, now he just joined the Marvel Studios for a big role, apparently, as uh, the studios announced uh, today that Martin Freeman has joined the cast of Captain America: The Civil War, which is the next big Marvel movie coming out. They did not reveal who he will be playing, but uh, as this here, from his role as Bilbo Baggins in Doctor Watson to Tim in the Office, Martin uh, Martin uh, rances from uh, the dramatic to the comedic and constantly impresses us," uh, said Captain America: Civil War producer Kevin Feige. Uh, we couldn't be more honored or excited to have such a talented actor join the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Uh, celebrated for his roles on Sherlock, Fargo, and the Hobbit trilogy, and much more. Freeman, of course, was also in uh, um, Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy, and he was awesome in that. Uh, see, that's a great movie. Gets no love. Uh, now it says, following the events of the Avengers Age of Ultron, the collective government of the world passes the act to uh, design uh, to regulate all superhuman activity. This polarizes the, uh, the opinion amongst the Avengers, causing two fractions uh, to side with Iron Man and or with Captain America, and this is why it's called Silver War, and it's going to be awesome. Now, the Age of Ultron, by the way, which just came out this past week here in America, made a ton of money. My God, this movie's made a ton of money. And funny enough, they're saying it underperformed. Can you believe this? The movie made about $190 million, roughly, in its opening weekend. And it's considered an underperforming movie. Now, let let me get this straight. This movie has already turned in an impressive $663 million worldwide within the first two weeks of release. And that's considered underperforming? Now, the movie came out on May 1st. We're on May 5th. It's already brought in $204 million domestically. Uh, on the foreign markets, it's brought in $459 million. Uh, that's what gives it the worldwide total of 663 This is on pace for a billion-plus easy. Now, the reason they're saying it underperformed is because the first Avengers made $207 million on its opening weekend, when this one made 190 something million. So it underperformed by a few million. Who cares? This is still on pace to, to break all kinds of records and... I mean, it didn't break that record, but it's going to make a ton of money. And at the end of the day, it's going to be one of the top five grossing films in the history of cinema. <clears throat> of course, until The Force Awakens comes out in December. Man, that movie is just primed to destroy everything. I'm predicting right now $250 million opening weekend for Star Wars. And if it's really as epic as it looks, $300 million opening weekend domestically. Saying it right now, it'll be the first movie to ever do that. No movie's ever done that before. No movie, no movie will ever do that again. I don't think. So there you go. Now let's move on to some UFO-related stuff. NASA beefing up its uh, search for extraterrestrial and aliens. Uh, they're actually uh, claiming now that they're going to find life within the next ten to twenty years, and the agency is now revving up its efforts to track them down. The group has put together a team of extraterrestrial experts to see if any of the planets uh, discovered outside the solar systems are habitable. And it says that the amateur uh, astronomers could help with its unprecedented search for ET by accessing research data online. Uh, it says here, the initiative dubbed Nexus for Exoplanet System Science, or Nex- Nexus, Nexus, will include scientists uh, from 10 
universities, including Stanford and the University of California and Yale. The study of exoplanets and the relativity, or, or actually it says here, the study of exoplanet is relatively a new field and began with the discovery of the first exoplanet around the stars like ours. Our sun, of course, is a star, and this started uh, back in 1995. Since the launch of the Kepler Space Telescope six years ago, more than 1,000 exoplanets have been found, with thousands of additional candidates waiting to be confirmed. NASA has set up the website for the public called Planet Hunters, which allows anyone to search the data gathered by Kepler and launched that actually, which was, again, launched six years ago. Scientists uh, are also developing a new way to confirm the if the planet is inhabitable or habitable, uh, and I guess they're going to uh, start rolling out some new what's called biosignatures or a new search for biosignatures, which of course are the signs of life. Uh, so whatever uh, new technology is coming out, it's going to be rolling out on this website. If you guys want to read more, go to artbelt.com, and if you want to check out the actual project, go to planethunters.org. Again, that's planethunters.org. And read all about it over on artbill.com. One more piece of news before I go on break. It says here. Oh, this is really good. Oh, this is a really good story. In fact, we we're going to read this on Skywatchers last week. And we didn't get to because Nancy kind of <clears throat> derailed the show with the uh, news segment. Never got to it. Scientists recreate ghost and strange phenomenon in a lab. Say what? Neuroscientists have succeeded in creating ghosts in the laboratory by tricking the brains of test subjects into feeling an unexpected presence in the room. The spooky experiment which conjured up the ghostly illusion in the laboratory was proved once and for all that that's only your mind playing tricks. When you're seeing ghosts, the invisible creepy presence reported by so many people over these centuries is just a set of mixed up signals in the cerebro or the brain. The researchers say uh, the sensation was recreated by researchers using a robot to interfere with the sensory signals in the brains of blindfolded volunteers. Under the normal circumstances, the brain is able to form un, un is a, to form a unified self prescription. I'm sorry, perception. I read that wrong. Let me read that again. Under normal st- circumstances, the brain is able to form a uh, unified uh, self uh, perception. But uh, but lead researchers Olaf uh, Blanky explained that what explained that when uh, this malfunctions the brain creates a second uh, representation of its body so this is what you get I guess the uh, what's it called the uh, the sensation of leaving your body or the astral plane right uh, most of the researchers predicted that, that we cannot trick ourselves because our brain uh, pre- uh, precisely uh, predicts uh, off of one hand and off my hand touching my body or not touching another person touching my body however if uh, this is not fully integrated because I'm doing it if I cannot correctly predict uh, says here because somebody else I have no idea where they're going with this is actually kind of badly written but anyway basically uh, this is uh, saying that uh, <clears throat> anybody who's having ghostly activity uh, at night eh, it's all in your mind eh, the little green men are knocking at your window or sneaking up Taking a peek when the window's open. Eh, it's all in your mind. Those pesky leprechauns outside trying to run in. All in your mind. 
The findings appear to explain the common experiences people have been feeling for years, says here. An unseen presence, even a guardian angel, a demon, an apparition stalking their movements. So whenever you get that feeling that somebody is watching you, that somebody's looking at you, remember one thing, folks. It's all in your mind. Remember, Future Theater could be heard every Monday night at 4 p.m. Pacific Standard Time, 7 p.m. Eastern, with your host, Bill, that's me and Nancy, I, Karumba, Burns, and we are broadcasting live right here on PSN Radio. Breaking the walls down. This is radio. This is what people want. To download the podcast, make sure you go to www.pcn.com. FutureTheater.com. Imagine no longer being tied down to your computer, but having the freedom to take live talk radio with you anywhere you go. TalkStream Live introduces our first ever iPhone application. The talk shows you follow now follow you. And your iPhone is now the fastest and easiest way to stay connected to the best talk radio on the Internet. Listen to live talk shows 24 hours a day, 7 days a week. Mobile talk radio from TalkStream Live. Now available in the iTunes App Store. Elizabeth Taylor, movie legend. We lost her too soon. Gone, but not forgotten. Now, you can own an authentic piece of movie history. Elizabeth Taylor's Ashes. In a small commemorative urn. Remember, remember. I want you to forget me, please. For just $29.95 plus shipping and handling, we'll send you an ounce of real superstar soot. Elizabeth Taylor, movie legend. You can have a piece of her forever. Command performances leave me quite cold. Call today. Hurry. Quantities are limited. In a world run by thugs and imbeciles, by robber barons in three-piece suits, where a subservient media pipes sewage into the eyes and ears of the masses 24 hours a day, seven days a week, where do you go for the truth? Is the president an alien, either Kenyan or Zeta? Did the fabulous sea monkeys ordered from comic book ads by kids in the 60s and 70s slither out of their tanks and into ears, and are they running the brains of the ruling elite today? Is David Icke right about the queen being a lizard, or is there a sea monkey brooding on his brain? Like a jockey atop a chunk of horse meat. Are Lemurians beneath Mount Shasta really addicted to porn and chewing tobacco? Or are their spokesmen in the surface world deluded or deranged? For the answers to all of these questions and more, tune in each week for another revealing and informative episode of Unraveling the Secrets. And get that sea monkey off of your brain. Up in the sky. It's a bird. It's a plane. No, it's SupermanHomePage.com, the number one Superman fan site in the world. SupermanHomePage.com, covering the world of Superman from the 1930s to today. News, reviews, rumors, and reports. SupermanHomePage.com, for all your Superman comics, TV shows, movies, cartoons, radio shows, and more. Everything you ever wanted to know about the Man of Steel and more superman homepage.com
All right, everybody, welcome back to Inside the Jackal's Head. That is Taxman by Tim Brenham, good friend of the show here. Love that song. Now with us, as promised, once again, returning to Inside the Jackal's Head is the one and the only, the psychic lawyer himself, Mr. Mark Anthony. How are you doing, sir? Welcome I'm back. I'm doing fantastic. Thank you. It's really great being back on the show. You know, it's been a, uh, a few months. It's been a while since you've been here, but uh, you know, I loved the, the last time you were here. It was so much fun having you on, and and you're a really cool person to talk to. And you've been busy since last we spoke. Uh, you have a new book out that just came out recently, and uh, let's talk about that a little bit. Uh, right off the bat, I want to talk about this book, Evidence of Eternity, because I was reading the bio earlier, and you know, anything that has to do with eternity, the afterlife, I'm always intrigued. Um, as you know, uh, tell us about the book. Evidence of Eternity, um, it has just been uh, phenomenal since it's been released in March. Uh, within 10 days, the publisher was completely sold out. It's in a second and even larger printing, and I believe it's going into a third printing soon. So I've been on a whirlwind tour uh, the week it came yep. out. I, I was in Houston, and then I was in Atlanta, and I just returned from Los Angeles, and I'm getting ready to do a tour of the Tampa Bay area, then go back to Atlanta um, because I've been invited to be on the NBC morning show in, in Atlanta. And th- one of the reasons that Evidence of Eternity is getting so much press is that it's different than anything else any other medium has written. It explains spirit communication in terms of scientific principles, theoretical physics, human physiology, evidence, and it, it shows how faith and science are not opposed, that they actually are talking about a lot of the same things when it comes to energy, frequency, and the reality of the afterlife. Now, let's get into the what is the reality of the afterlife. What exactly, for the audience listening in who has not made up their mind, what is your definition of the reality of the afterlife? Based on, since the dawn of time, people have reported communicating with spirits, uh, getting visitations from loved ones on the other side. Now, there's a lot of people say, oh, well, that's just wishful thinking and grief-induced hallucinations, except it's been going on for over 5,000 years and very heavily documented. All of the major belief systems and religions talk about the soul, the spirit that is, that pre-exists the body, comes into the body, and then moves on. In the 20th century, starting in the 1970s, uh, survival of consciousness studies began in earnest, uh, not just in the United States, but in Canada, the UK, Holland, France, Italy, Germany, India, South Africa, Australia, New Zealand, Russia, and Japan. And survival of consciousness studies and near-death experience studies are, are where people who have clinically died and then come back to life, usually for either they've been resuscitated or there's no explanation why else, and they just came back. And what they describe when they have separated from their body, their consciousness leaves their body, goes um, into this this tunnel of light, encounters deceased loved ones, uh, and then uh, talks about God. What I do as a medium is I, I um, practice what is known as evidential mediumship, because there's a lot of people that can just say, oh, well, your grandfather's here and he loves you and, and, right. uh, and he's proud of you. But evidential mediumship is when a spirit communicates with me and presents pieces of evidence, 
things that I simply cannot know. And, you know, it's, it's of course, the debunkers go, oh, you're cold reading, cold reading, you know, but that's like a toddler running around with a new word, like impossible, impossible, impossible. They don't really understand what they're talking about, uh, but they like to babble it. And, <laughs> um, well, I've studied evidential mediumship both here in the U.S. and in Great Britain, and the British evidential mediumship is, is very strict and very disciplined. I have to bring forth facts, evidence, things, not generalizations. I mean, anybody can say, oh, so-and-so loves you, but when you say, this is what he looked like, this is what he died from, this was his favorite song, this is something that you did yesterday, okay, um, very specific things. And, now, and go ahead. No, no, go ahead, finish your thought, sorry. No, no, and so it's by, by using evidence to prove that life is everlasting, Mm-hmm. Um, by spirits communicating this information. And it's not just that they sit there and, and give me a description of the person. They will talk about what's going on in a loved one's life here, and occasionally right. they will convey um, things about the other side. Uh, what, you know, what is it like? Uh, which is very, very difficult for us to understand because they're existing in a... They're, they are pure consciousness, and they are existing in a purely energetic environment. Stop right and, there for a second. Yeah. Now, this is why I asked the question, what is your definition of the afterlife? Um, is it a physical realm, a spiritual realm, an energy realm? Uh, you know, that is the basic question. I don't believe that it's a physical realm. We are in the physical realm. Right. We are, and because, because our soul, our spirit, is an immortal living being, and it's temporarily encapsulated in a human body. Mm-hmm. And by being in a human body, uh, the, the, the consciousness is, is temporarily housed in the brain, which is an organ or extremely complex, but mm-hmm. one which has a finite perception of things and a finite ability to understand things. And there, there seems to be reasons for that. In other words, coming into this life is a privilege, Although many days don't seem like it is. <laughs> oh, definitely not. You know, there's a lot of days that it's like, you know, why am I here? I'm suffering. Today was especially one of them. When, well, well, and especially when somebody you love dies or, or right. people who are suffering from horrible illnesses and things and or people that are living under oppression and violence. I mean, it, you know, you're looking at this going, how could this possibly be a privilege? But right. it appears that we can experience uh, sensations, things, that you cannot on the other side. Now, to answer your question, is it an energy or is it spirit realm? It's energy. It's energy and it's a spirit realm, although I don't know if you or I can possibly comprehend exactly what it is. Right. And there's this thought in, in mediumistic mm-hmm. circles, um, as above, so below. And mm-hmm. I hear that mm-hmm. so much. And one of the main purposes of evidence of eternity is to dispel the primitive fear and superstition surrounding spirit communication. And that mm-hmm. as above, so below thing, look, they're not sitting when, when somebody comes through, oh, he's sitting at a cafe in Paris or hanging out on a beach in Maui. No, they're not. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. What they're doing is they're projecting to us a point of reference that you and I can, can relate Understand. to. Right. Yeah. So, so maybe your mom really liked Maui. I mean, I've been to Maui, and it's like, who couldn't like Maui? <laughs> okay. No kidding. But, but okay, that may have been the place that she was the happiest ever, and and so they're going to give me and you a point of reference. 
that we can relate to. And she was happiest as she was in Maui, and she feels great. So that way, we're, we're understanding that she's in tremendous joy and peace. Um, but where they really are would require the ability for you and I to comprehend infinity, which our brain can't. But that doesn't mean we don't know it's there, we don't, that, that we can't understand that it exists, but as far as actually grasping, comprehending what it is, is beyond our limited, finite ability to perceive, which is okay because we are here in a finite matter for a variety of reasons. Right. Now, yeah, we're, I mean, we're still trying to wrap our heads around with infinite space, let alone now going into a spiritual realm and talking about infinity in that term. I mean, that's, it can well, get well, really, really crazy. Yeah, it can get I, I, really crazy for anybody. Yeah, trying I Trying to wrap know, their heads I mean, around it, you know? Well, the universe, I mean, we look at stars every night, okay? And let's say a star is 8,000 mm-hmm. light years away, and that right. star went supernova and exploded 7,000 years ago. Well, we're still going to be seeing it because it takes the light from that star... 8,000 right. years just to get to us, even though it doesn't exist in the same time frame that we are existing. All right, right. it's hard enough understanding that, that. Yeah. <laughs> let alone, you know, and then, and then I love it when they talk about, um, when they meaning, meaning, meaning uh, theoretical physicists, physicists and yeah. astrophysicists and scientists, that the universe is constantly expanding. Right. Well, that's cool, but what is it expanding into? Right. Uh, you know, it's like, huh? Okay. Well, yeah, so if it's expanding, expanding there's something outside of it. It's going into something, which, right. which, once again, when when you try to understand that and you try that to grasp sense. infinity, <laughs> you simply can't, and and um, that's that's because of the way our brain is designed. But our our brain, our mind. And our consciousness are two different things. I was a guest speaker alongside Dr. Evan Alexander, who wrote Proof of Heaven. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, you know, he comes under fire by the debunkers and the religious fanatics, um, mm-hmm. you know, like I do. And we both got a good laugh out of that. Um, and for all you people who fall into that category, you know, we forgive you. Um, <laughs> but, <laughs> but, but what he was saying is his critics are like, Oh well, you know your consciousness doesn't survive your physical death, and he, his question and my question is: Well, then explain what consciousness is. And right. if you look at any book, any book on the human brain, a medical book, a medical book on on the physiology and the structure of the human brain, there could be a thousand pages on the brain's functions, the axons, which is like the wiring of the brain, the neurosynapses, right. and and you know all of that, the electrical flow through the brain and maybe a paragraph on consciousness. Um, uh, medical science cannot define or describe what consciousness is. And they mm-hmm. say, well, we can Correct. poke and prod and stimulate certain parts of the brain and recreate a spiritual experience. It's like, and? So what? Like the article I read before uh, we had you on the show here, where neuroscientists have succeeded recently in a, in a lab creating uh, what to uh, the layman would look like ghosts or, or apparitions. Uh, they were creating this uh, using uh, techniques on the brain. Uh, and they were conjuring up all kind of ghostly illusions, uh, which tells you, yeah, the brain does play a part in it, uh, but where is this stuff coming from, regardless? It's like people it, who use yeah, ayahuasca, yeah. for example, or See, DMT. See, they're, they're, in, they're introducing an artificial stimulus right. to evoke a, a particular reaction. 
Fine. Mm-hmm. Let's remove the artificial from it, and let's say you or I encounter a spirit. Well, obviously, the energetic um, emission is stimulating that part of the brain because the brain governs our ability to perceive things while we are living in the material world. But right. just because you can artificially recreate something doesn't mean it's the real deal. Okay. In other words, you can go up to a dead body or a body that is being kept alive artificially, but it doesn't mean that that person is alive. Hmm. Are there ghosts around at all times, like around like in everybody's well, house, for example, or they just hang out? I mean, what's the purpose of the afterlife? Because I know that a lot of people talk about having ghosts present. Uh, what, what's the purpose of that if they're just present in everybody's well, lives? Well, uh, I think there's a difference between ghosts and, and spirits. Spirits, um, right. Sometimes they're used interchangeably. Spirits can be with us at any time they want. And heaven, the other side, nirvana, whatever you would like to call it, is not some far-off, distant thing orbiting Alpha Centauri. Um, <laughs> it is a, a parallel universe. And when you look at what hmm. the string theorists have been saying over the past century... That's interesting, uh, yeah. Yeah, they're, they, they're talking about not, not just that there's a universe, but there's multiverses and there's different dimensions. So if the other side is, is a frequency another dimension that exists parallel to this one, that's why they can pop over so quickly. All right? And it's basically, it's, it's the way I like to analogize it. Consider our world being AM radio. We use hmm. frequency, amplitude, modulation, and energy, but we're at a lower and slower frequency and vibration. The other side right. being FM radio, higher, faster frequency. And uh, there are times when um, if you increase the frequency of, of AM and you decrease the frequency and slow that down of the FM, the two uh, radios, uh, radio frequencies will overlap. And it's the same in, in the spirit realm. Um, we have to realize that, that according to dark matter theorists, Mm-hmm. Only 10% of the multiverses is, is visible to the human eye and to human-created technology. In other words, you and I can perceive visible light, but we right. can't see ultraviolet. We can't see X-rays, gamma rays, microwaves. Right. There's a, I mean, the, so if 90% of the the universe and the multiverses are beyond our ability to perceive it then just because something is beyond our realm of experience or ability to perceive does not mean it isn't there. Um, I mean, look at it this way. Makes sense. A couple yeah. hundred years ago, when, when you would, what made people sick? There was all these bizarre, um, it was evil spirits. It was mm-hmm. vapors. You know, like, uh, like in right, Gone with right. the Wind, and those, oh, I'm getting the vapors. You know, they used to think there was these noxious <laughs> yes. gases yeah. that would emerge at night and make people sick. Um, and they had all these very strange ideas on it. And then the microscope gets invented, and, and uh, doctors and scientists begin to see that germs, viruses, molds, things like that make people sick. Right. And, and just, you know, so just because they couldn't see it didn't mean it doesn't exist. Right, right. No, yeah, that makes perfect sense to me. Uh, and, and look, a universe like ours, or a galaxy like ours, there's so much that we don't even know yet just about the physical reality. 
Uh, you're absolutely right. I mean, there's no telling what's out there that we have no clue on because we just can't see it. The veil is completely over our eyes. Now, do you think that we'll ever be able to create some kind of a machine or or create some kind of a device that could travel in between parallel universes? Because basically what we're discussing here is that parallel universes are the answers to the afterlife, to heaven and hell. So we leave here, we go there. That has a, a lot of implications in it. Uh I mean, that almost sounds like you know, we leave this physical reality, we transport there, and that's a completely type of different physical reality. Maybe physical there, not the same as here, but in a different kind of physicality. Uh, but it does seem to fit the super string theory. It does. It does. I know that Thomas Edison was working on a device um, to, to communicate with the other side. And one of the last things that he was, was working on, and it was discussed in the Scientific American 1921 mm-hmm. edition, it has now euphemistically been been nicknamed the Spirit Phone. Um, but uh, I've read I've read uh, his writings and his diary where he said he believed that he could create a device sensitive enough to communicate with discarnate intelligence. In other words, a phone that can talk to, to talk, talk to people in spirit. So right. when you get somebody on, on that genius level, like a Thomas Edison, I mean, you know, he was like up there with Tesla and, and Leonardo da Vinci and, and you know, uh, just these incredible, you know, um, geniuses. Um, I don't rule out anything, it, it, you know, in as far as our creative creative abilities. My dad, um, he he was one of the uh, NASA pioneers, and uh, okay. he was one of the guys that helped put a man on the moon and also helped figure out how to get Apollo 13 back. Mm. And he's you know he's rolled now, and uh, you know, but every now and then I get him talking about that stuff. And what he <laughs> told me is, you put enough research and money into something, nothing's impossible. Oh, yeah. And yet they can't cure cancer. No, they can't, but where our understanding of it is is much better than maybe it was 20 years ago. Um, look at when HIV appeared, I guess it was, I don't know, I guess the, the early 70s, 80s, early 70s, 80s late right 70s, now. early 80s, it just right. decimated, you know, thousands, if not, not millions of people worldwide. Mm-hmm. And now there are people who are HIV positive that are living um, 20 plus years and longer because Magic of the Johnson. Condition. That's all I have to yeah, say. Yeah, Ma- Magic, Magic Johnson. Johnson. And now there is a treatment, and I was reading about it, where scientists have taken the HIV virus because it's a very elusive and complicated thing which replicates and changes. And they, apparently they've taken out whatever it is that you know gives you AIDS, but the self-replicating and the mutating virus, and now they're implanting it with things. In other words, so it can attack cancer and other diseases. In other huh. words, they're using its ability to mutate and replicate so it won't kill you. Instead, they're taking the things that make it so damn elusive and difficult to treat and now using it, although they still can't eradicate viruses. So, but, but you huh. know, in, in, in the span of 30 years, going from knowing absolutely nothing about the immune system to now, hey, we've um, we've we've voided out um, the AIDS part of the virus, and now we're using it in 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 experiments to attack cancer cells. It's like that's pretty brilliant, you know. But but you know, there's still a lot not, of this comes. Yeah, but 
No, obviously not, but a lot of this comes because of, of course, the advancements in the Human Genome Project and the fact that yeah. we know the DNA strand and we know what it does and we know that it's codes. And I mean, this all, the advancements that we are getting is really because of that breakthrough. Uh, but yeah, but it's it, even though it, it does seem like we've gone a lot, you know, we've gone really far with a lot of these uh, technologies, it still feels like it, like we're really behind the curve when it comes to uh, the amount of money that's being pumped into a lot of these things. Uh, oh, we, we are. expect yeah, yeah, for yeah, some of this are. to get cured by now. Yeah, th- there's so many things that, uh, well, for example, um, what people don't seem to understand uh, in this country is how the space program has benefited us. Uh, and, you know, because I p- hear people say, oh, why do we waste our money up there as they're looking at their cell phone and accessing the Internet? And it's like, well, where do you think that technology came from? Um, or satellites and and uh, the medical technology because technology breeds technology and the problem we have with with um, and and I'm not going to say you know either Democrats or Republicans it's presidents from both sides of the aisle they're not they they look at NASA and space exploration as discretionary spending as opposed to being in our national best interest. Right. And uh, a lot of my friends are space scientists, which is great because I can talk to them about this stuff, and and uh, and you know they'll say, well, here, read this and 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 check that. And and when I was at Harvard, I was talking to um, to some of the scientists and and grad students there um, about um, about the pineal gland and human physiology that lends itself towards um, the ability to communicate with spirits, and. Somebody told me that all NASA wanted for the next 10 years was what the U.S. was spending in one month when we were engaged in combat in Iraq. Wow. Yeah. That's amazing. Yeah. And And it doesn't shock me at all. Yeah, and now we no longer have a manned space program. It's been dumped onto private corporations who are motivated only by can we make money off of that, which is fine. But uh, when it comes to space exploration, sometimes you have to realize we're not going to make money for a while, but, but sometimes it's okay to spend money for the sole purpose of acquiring knowledge. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. Completely agree. Uh, no, here's a question uh, for you that I, I wanted to ask a little while ago, but I didn't want to deviate from where we were going with the conversation. But going back to uh, where we're talking about the parallel universe, uh, what if there is really no afterlife as a heaven or a hell or anything like that as we believe? Uh, but what we're seeing are visions of a parallel universe, which is just like ours. And so when we're seeing parents or loved ones, it doesn't mean we're seeing the spirit of the loved ones that we lost, but we're seeing a vision of them in a parallel universe because their loss here somehow dropped the veil a little bit so we can get that glimpse of them on that parallel planet. What is I mean, does that at all make any sense? That's an interesting theory, but I don't believe it because in the probably 10,000 readings that I've conducted for people all over the world, when a spirit communicates with me, they're giving me verifiable facts um, what they look like, what they died from, shared memories between the person I'm reading for. They can give me their likes and dislikes. They can talk about things that are going on with the the, the person that they love here. Um, so there there's too much information that that is specific to the person 
um, as opposed to we're seeing some type of mirror image in, in another another dimension. Now that that does also doesn't mean that there isn't another dimension, and perhaps part of our spiritual journey is to go from um, the spirit realm connected with Earth to maybe eventually a spirit realm connected with with another planet. I mean, I, you yeah. know, I, once again, um, that's an interesting um, question. Do you think we could reincarnate yeah. into another? Alien race yeah, in another yeah, world somewhere. Yes. Um, well, well, as as in in my book, Evidence of Eternity has held the number one spot on Amazon's reincarnation list mm. uh, since its release. Um, I'm a firm believer in reincarnation because the evidence is there, and you know, more people now believe in reincarnation than ever before in history. Now, yes, mm. there's more people on on Earth now. But True, yeah. what I mean by that is traditionally um, it was Hindus and Buddhists who believed in reincarnation, but now we're seeing that in Europe, in South America, in North America, a lot of people, um, a lot of people now, what I call spiritual Christians, are not seeing that reincarnation is necessarily opposed to to Christian dogma, and so. Um, it, it makes more sense, and, and the way I explain it, or one of the ways that I explain it in Evidence of Eternity, is that all religions teach that the, the soul, the spirit, the energy of the spirit pre-exists the body, comes into the body, and then lives on after the body, and physics teaches us that energy is neither created nor destroyed, only transferred from one form to Please another. Right. So, so it appears that science and faith are, are getting closer and closer to each other. In fact, Pope Francis, who I'm a big fan of, I think he's the right guy in the right place at the right time, um, Pope Francis recently said that the Big Bang does not contradict the creative intervention of God, rather it depends upon it. Mm, and that's, that's interesting. That's, that's pretty, that's very interesting. That's heavy, yeah. That's real heavy. In fact, um, under, I think it was under um, Pope John Paul's watch, or it could have been early during uh, Pope Benedict, the Vatican said that belief in extraterrestrial life does not contradict Christianity right. because we as humans cannot put limitations upon the creative power of God. So <laughs> it's like, wow, it's the same institution that had Galileo charged <laughs> with heresy because yeah. he said that you know the, the uh, sun is the center of our solar system, not the earth. They, they've, uh, they've definitely evolved, the church. <laughs> the well, they also know a lot more than than we think, and and uh, uh, you know, I've, I've had a number of friends who've been Catholic priests because uh, going into the clergy was something that I had considered at, at one point in my life. Mm. And what do you think the uh, saints were? The, you know, when you talk about saints that receive visions and and uh, the mystical things that they they did, uh, a lot of a lot of the saints exhibited psychic and mediumistic abilities. Did you know that there's a pa uh, patron saint for television? I did not know that, no. <laughs> yeah, it's, um, well, listen. Are you serious? I'm totally serious. All right, we've all I would think Oprah would be that saint, by the way. I think you see Oprah. <laughs> she should be. She should be. Oprah, if you're listening, we, we, we are not worthy. Um, I am nominating about, uh, Oprah for Saint Oprah. We, we, yeah, she should be. She, well, she for a lot of reasons, because she's such a great pioneer and innovator and opens yes. so many doors. But 800 years ago, uh, we've all heard of St. Francis of Assisi. Well, Correct. he had a colleague, Claire, St. Claire of Assisi, and she was a very pious nun and very oh, spiritual. Claire. Yes, she, she was one of his followers. 
And she became so ill, she could no longer attend church services, so she prayed to God that she would be able to see what was happening in church. And so she would receive visions of what was going on in church and tell people about that. And they said, oh, my gosh, that's exactly what happened. That's exactly what, you know, uh, what, what the, the priest or the bishop or whoever said. And um, she died, uh, and w- within like a year or two of her death, she was canonized uh, St. Clair of Assisi. Well, 800 years later, in 1958, Pope Pius XII uh, declared her the patron saint of television with the advent of television. Huh. Hmm. Now, when you start examining what St. Clair really was, she was a remote viewer. She had the ability uh. to take her consciousness and observe things in real time, whether it was across the village in Assisi to the cathedral or across the world. And the Vatican is very well aware of these things, and that's why she was declared the patron saint of television. And, you know, people scoff at that, except for the fact that the Soviet Union, the United States, and now Russia, you know, um, the U.K., France, North Korea, China, Japan, Australia, um, have been using remote viewers in their intelligence agencies for decades. Uh, in fact, the British were the first to set up a psychic warfare division back in the 1930s. So maybe MI6 still is doing that. I know mm. the CIA cut funding on it, but the DIA has not. <laughs> so. mm. you know, how interested do you think uh, are the governments in uh, a lot of the... the uh, stuff that that has to do with the afterlife do you think there because i know they did a lot of remote viewing uh, programs and whatnot do you think there's uh programs in secret that have to do with remote viewing on the afterlife or any experiments dealing with the afterlife well remote viewing is not mediumship remote viewing right. is a psychic Two different skill things. which right. has yeah which has a very practical application for right, intelligence right. agencies you know let's let's find some terrorists let's find somebody um, and, you know, and and, and you look how long it took him to find Bin Laden huh? and, and Osama. Yeah, let, let's get some insight. <laughs> well, you know, uh, I, I I did like the movie Zero Dark Thirty, um, <laughs> but but um, but there are practical applications for that. I know that the Soviets were extremely heavily involved in in psychic warfare and psychic uh, phenomenon in in the U.S. as as well. In fact, I've met. I've met some people that that are involved with that. They're they're very interesting. They're very intense, but they're very interesting. But as far as does our government do uh, research on on the afterlife? Probably not. But you you never know. That would be an interesting fact that we uh, discovered one day that our government had been conducting experiments on how to reach and contact ghosts on the other side. Well, how, done it. how cool would that be? <laughs> well, I mean, it would be great to have that type of funding. I mean, there right. are, you know, there are institutes that do su- study psychic and uh, phenomenon and the afterlife. But like, you know, any institution or any nonprofit organization, they're always struggling to keep their head financially above water. And no matter what you do, you're always going to have the debunkers and the cynics who are like, there is no afterlife because I don't right. believe in it. Because I don't believe in it, it must be true. And, um, you know, I, I always feel sorry for those people who just believe in nothing. You know, I'm agnostic myself, personally. Uh, 
borderline atheist in a way, in a lot of ways. Uh, but I do ha- do believe that there is something more than meets the eye. If you know what I mean, there's something definitely out there. I have a little issues with religions, and that's really where my the stem of my issues are. Uh, but I, I but I do find it funny how science is closely, or not closely, but it's rapidly connecting the dots for religions and for maybe possibly one day proving that there is such a thing as an afterlife. That to me is funny. Well, there's nothing wrong with being an agnostic because an agnostic is is being skeptical, and a true skeptic right. says, "I don't know what to believe. I don't believe it now, but I'm open to uh, the to possibilities." Right. right. Whereas a cynic is like, "I have a closed mind, and I'm going to parade around. I have a closed mind. I have a closed <laughs> mind. <laughs> it's like I'm wallowing in my ignorance, um, and and that's an unhealthy state of mind because mm-hmm. it's a closed mind. It's like minds are like parachutes; they only function properly when they open. Um, so, so science is beginning to see that." Um, there are frequencies, there are realms, there are dimensions separate from our own. And if energy is neither created nor destroyed, only transferred, mm-hmm. and we have all these survival of consciousness studies that all indicate that our consciousness survives our physical death, then I think it's only a matter of time before we get to that point. For me, the technology already exists. It's people like myself that are mediums who are born with the ability to perceive spirits. And we all are capable of having uh, a a spiritual experience or a mediumistic experience because we all have the same basic physiology, just that some people are better at it than others, that some people are better mathematicians, some people are better auto mechanics, some are better athletes or musicians and what have you. So we're all all good at different things. Now, how would one go about trying to, you know, harness this ability? If one but wanted the, to, obviously. Yeah, there's all types of development classes. Um, I remember one of the first classes I went to, um, it, it, it's, you know, we would hold an object that belonged to another person. And this is called psychometry because the theory there is that matter retains vibration. And, of course, metallic objects seem to be better at it than, you know, I mean, you know, Electricity flows through steel a lot better right. than it would a piece of wood, you know. Right, um, right, right, right. And I remember there were people in the class, and they're struggling and struggling. And go, well, I'm seeing, I'm seeing the color blue associated with you. And somebody'd say, well, yeah, I like the color blue. And then I'd be holding, and go, okay. Um, somebody gave you this ring, and they were in the military, and. Um, what I get is that they died from a heart attack, and he liked this song, and and I'd be going through all this stuff, and 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 the, the I remember the, the the instructor said, Mark, can you stay after class? And I said, <laughs> okay. And it's like, gee, did I do anything wrong? You know, I went to Catholic school, <laughs> so it's like when he had to stay after class, it usually wasn't good. And I yeah. remember he goes, I've never seen anything like you. <laughs> he goes, my God. He goes, how long have you been doing this? I go, well, I've been in your class two weeks. He said, you're functioning on a level of someone that's been doing this 30 years. Huh. And, you know, and I knew I had ability because I grew up in this environment. And I remember him saying, he goes, I, I can't really teach you anything. He goes, I can show you how to interpret some of the information that you're getting. He goes, but but I, I can't do this. And, and I was like, well, you know, come on. I mean, you're just being nice to me. And he goes, no, really. And so what happened was um, he told me that um, I needed to go to Great Britain. He said, there is a college there, an institute for the development of, an, an institute for the advancement of psychic science. 
and I went there, and it was like it's like Hogwarts, you know, for for psychics, and and uh, it was really really quite wonderful because we studied it in a very clinical and scientific manner instead of the woo hoo oh as above so below, and they're coming forward and bringing you a bucket of granola and that sort of thing, um, um, it, it, you know, and and that's what I like because being an attorney, evidence appeals to me. Right. Fact and logic appeals to me, as opposed to you know um, things that that don't have any uh, basis or substantiation. Now, when you were getting this information, though, was it just uh, information just coming to you? Were you being told? Like, did you hear a voice? How were you receiving this information? All the above, all the above, and oh, okay. uh, uh, honing your ability is learning how to pay attention to that. And um, like I was doing a reading for a woman today, and every time I would say, all right, I'm seeing this, does this make sense? There was this long pause, and she was a very analytical person, so I pick, 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 and I said, all right, now stop. You're doing what I used to do. You're, you're cross-examining everything. Okay, when something comes in, feel it. What do you feel? And then as soon as she started doing that, then everything began to make sense, as opposed to let me pick, 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 pick. And what it comes down to is um, our right brain is the emotional and the intuitive side. The left brain is the logical side. Mm -hmm. And so when you're doing this work, you have to kind of push the left brain out of the way. And when something comes in, you just describe it before you Hmm. overanalyze it. And then once you describe it, then you can go back and look at it and say, okay, now this has has more meaning to it on more than one level. And that's one of the concepts that I write about in Evidence of Eternity is is that um, there are things known as multiple meaning messages where one image, uh, one one sensation can have more than one level, le- one, more than one type of meaning. And what I'm doing in Evidence of Eternity that no one else is doing or has done is I'm introducing new terms and concepts to explain spirit communication on the basis of science and theoretical physics and in 21st century terminology because our understanding of mediumship was developed in the Victorian era and there it has stayed. And it's time to bring this up into our current era and apply what we now know about energy transfer, telecommunications, frequency, vibration, uh, multiple dimensions, and multiverses. Very interesting stuff. The book, again, is Evidence of Eternity, Communicating with Spirits for Proof of the Afterlife. Mark, it's always a pleasure to have you on the show. Thank you so much for spending your time with us here tonight. Thank you. I appreciate that. And to all the listeners, may God bless you. And uh, I'll be picking up the book, reading it, and uh, we'll be talking again on Future Theater pretty soon, and I'll have read it by then, and I'll have a lot more questions. You're away. Fantastic. I look forward to it. (laughs) I love having you on, my friend. You're a good. You're definitely a good guy to have on the show. Thank you so much again. Thank you. Good night. Have a good night, ladies and gentlemen. That is Mark Anthony. This is Inside the Jackal's Head. We went over just a little bit, but it was so worth it. Great guest. Pick up the book on Amazon.com right now. Evidence of Eternity: Communicating with Spirits for Proof of the Afterlife. Now, as you know, I'm not exactly uh, like I said. I'm agnostic. I'm open-minded. Am I all the way a believer? Not necessarily 100%, but I am open-minded. And uh, he's a fascinating individual. If you want to hear or you want to read more on our guest tonight, please check out his his website, 
HealGriefWithBelief.com That's www.H-E-A-L-G-R-I-E-F-W-I-T-H-B-E-L-I-E-F.com And again, pick up the book at Amazon.com Everybody will be back next week with more Inside the Jackal's Head Have a great evening Stay safe This is PSN Radio Feeds on water. I walk a stone and I feel the power that heals up eyes and a common truth. I doubt the stars will ever move.